So we work ourselves to the bone to prove we're valued. And the only way I know to defeat that is by finding your identity in Jesus. He died on the cross and your worth now is found in Him and not in your work. What does the Bible say about hard work? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. For the past few days, we've been in a short series called On the Job. For more on this topic, visit our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But today, David concludes this series with five practical steps we each can take to become more passionate about the work we do. So in your workplace, starting this week, You who are employees, would you dare go the extra mile when your boss asks you to do something? Say, I'll do that, and I'll even go beyond it. And some of you right now are going, you do not know my boss. And I'm saying, yeah, I do. I do. Been dealing with this a long time. May be irascible and absolutely impossible to work for. You want to touch his heart for Jesus? Go the extra mile. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you bosses out there with your employees, go the extra mile. With your workplace hospitality, with leave, especially maternity leave, with salaries and benefits, Let me ask you, are you going the extra mile for those who work for you? Now, can you imagine a workplace where the employer and the employees are all going the extra mile for one another? How would you describe that workplace? Healthy and successful. So first of all, if you want to serve others in your workplace, practice the extra mile principle. It's all in the attitude, folks. If you awaken every morning before work and go, good Lord, it's morning, or do you awaken going, good morning, Lord, because I have an opportunity where I work to love people who matter to you And I want to help draw them to you and be salt and light so they'll praise my heavenly Father. Therefore, I'm going to go the extra mile. Second, practice the golden rule. Jesus' words in Matthew 7, 12, which encapsulate the first 39 books of the Bible, Genesis through Malachi. He reduced it all to a simple statement. In your workplace, employees and employers treat others like you want to be treated. I mean, is it more difficult than that? Treat others like you want to be treated. And in practicing that golden rule, it opens the hearts of others to hear your love for your heavenly father. Why are you treating me this way? This isn't the way people treat other people, the extra mile, doing to me as you want to have done to you. I mean, I love the quote from a great Christian of years ago named Assisi. Here's what he said. 
to all Christians. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and if necessary, say something. And if necessary, say something. Now, now you need to be ready to share the hope that is within you. I mean, God gave us tongues to share the gospel. But you earn the right to be heard by serving other people. And I'm telling you, folks, when you do that, it's so counterintuitive to the success culture of America that at some point, your employer or other employees are going to ask you, why are you so different? And you'll have a chance to share your love for the Father in heaven. Number three, work hard, but don't become a workaholic. Now, I am convinced workaholism is raging in our culture. I'm also convinced the major reason for workaholism is people are finding their identity in their work. There's a daddy wound someplace, you'll never be as good as, often a sibling or someone else, and there's this incessant desire to prove to dad or someone else, I'm worth something. So we work ourselves to the bone to prove to that person we're valued. And the only way I know to defeat that is by finding your identity in Jesus. He died on the cross and did for you what you can never do for yourself. And your worth now is found in him and not in your work. Yet, in my challenge not to become a workaholic and find your identity in Christ, you need also to hear these words. We are called as followers of Jesus to work hard. Paul said in Colossians 3, work heartily as unto the Lord. Your, your real boss calls you to work hard. There's something very valuable in working hard. Now, I'll never forget in seminary, there was a huge church in Atlanta that was busting at the seams. And so I wanted to know why they were so successful. So on a lark, I called the senior pastor and said, could I meet with you for 30 minutes? And he said, oh, here's a raw seminarian who wants to learn some stuff. Sure, come on in. So I went into his office, and he closed the door. And actually, before he closed the door, he said to his assistant, don't interrupt me for the next 30 minutes. This is very important. And I'm starting to go, ooh, this is fun. And then he sits me down. He closes the blinds, and he gets behind his desk, and he asks me to inch forward so nobody else can hear. And he says, do you want to know? the reason for my success. And I said, man, yes, I want to know the reason for your success. And he got closer and closer, his mouth to my ear. And finally, here's what he said to me. Son, the reason for my success is hard work. Hard work. Do you work hard? Or are you lazy on the job? You know, the church in its traditions has come up with some pretty good stuff. Did you know in the fourth century, the early church fathers came up with a list of what's called the seven deadly sins because they wanted to identify the seven most deadly sins that people commit that just destroy their lives. And they're very interesting ones like pride and envy. One of them is sloth. Isn't that a great word? In Proverbs 6, Solomon says, look at the slug. <laughs> well, look at your sloth. 
I mean, only you can answer. Do you work hard? Do you work hard? I look for people who work hard. I don't become impressed with excuses. And neither does any employer who really values what needs to happen in the workplace. Now, now why should you work hard? Because God worked hard for you in Christ. Did you know that God went the extra mile for you? God so loved you that he became one of us in Jesus and he went to the cross and as excruciating as the physical pain was, folks, and it was beyond anything I can begin to tell you, but I'll give you a hint. A crown of thorns matted on Jesus' brow, blood flowing downward. Nails in his wrists and his ankles right in the specific places the Romans knew would hurt the most. A spear stuck in his side, no drink, no anesthetizing, the physical pain was excruciating. You know the word excruciating comes from the two Latin words excrucis, which means from the cross. Romans were crack executioners. They wanted to inflict the most amount of pain they possibly could upon a victim. So Jesus went through that kind of pain so that you and I would have the sins of the world poured upon him rather than me and you. He went the extra mile. But he also worked hard for that salvation. And let me remind you, probably his greatest pain was not his physical pain. His greatest pain was probably his spiritual pain. For those of you who know biblical theology, you know there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're inextricably connected to one another. And when Jesus came to this earth, he was still connected to the Father, and his greatest desire was to always be in intimacy with the Father. But when he took all of the sins of the world upon himself, past, present, and future, all of our ugliness, all of our rebellion against him, all the ways we've hurt him. When he took all of that upon him, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, when the sins of the world, yours and mine included, came upon the son, the father turned his back on the son and they were no longer in intimate fellowship together. That was the agonizing pain that broke his heart. But he went the extra mile for us. He worked heartily and then finally cried out, it is finished. The work of salvation for you and me, not done by our works, but what's been done for us by his work on the cross, it's been finished. And now you can have eternal life by grace through faith. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? You're one or the other. They're the only two kinds of people in the world. But he worked hard going the extra mile so that we could be in him and have the gift of eternal life. Number four, make money to help others. Ephesians 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something, what, to, oh, three or four reading with me. Come on, folks. To share with anyone in need. So why should you work hard? Well, one of the major reasons biblically is so you can make a lot of money and give a lot away to those who don't have hardly anything. So for you who are employees, work hard 
and make as much money as you can so you can learn generosity because God's been generous with you through Jesus and through the gifts he's given you. If you are employers, you'll love this. Make billions. If you need permission from this pastor to do it, make billions of dollars. I mean, multiple billions of dollars. Go for it in every possible way. Take care of your employees in the workplace, but make billions. Why? So that you can be generous and help the needs of people here and around the world. And I still believe, folks, I'm going to teach this. Tithing is the, dra- the training wheels of generosity. Biblically, it begins with the 10%. And I think that 10% goes to the church because Jesus died for the church to have life. A lot of great causes out there. It's supposed to begin with the church. If every Christian in America would tithe 10% to the local church, we could solve every problem in the world. Well, most of them until Jesus comes back. We could address them. But it's a generosity issue because the average American Christian gives 2% of his or her income away. So work hard, make money to learn generosity because our God is generous with us. And fifth and finally, in your workplace, look for opportunities to serve other people. And keep your spiritual antenna up as you go into work. And hear the voice of the Lord say to you, that person needs a prayer. That person needs encouraging. That person needs a touch. You can maybe change the world by helping someone in your workplace. Let me give you an example. I love this story. I've shared it a couple of times from sermons. And if you remember it, bear with me. But I guess most of you have never heard it. In the 1960s, the race riots were extreme. Now, I know we're going through some racial tensions right now, but really, if you didn't live through the 60s, you don't know what a race riot's like. And the most serious places where they occurred were Los Angeles, Chicago, and Detroit. I mean, multiple dozens of lives lost, looting that cost billions of dollars. It was horrific. Well, in the 1960s, integration began to occur. should have occurred much earlier, but integration began to occur, especially in Detroit, which was the centerpiece of a lot of that violence. And there was a fifth grade school teacher by the name of Mrs. Benaducci who had 12 African-American students come into her fifth grade school class for the first year. All of them assimilated fairly well, except one, a small diminutive African-American kid who was sight impaired. His name was Stephen Morris. Well, Mrs. Benaducci tried so many different ways to draw out Stephen and get him involved in the class, and he just wouldn't. She came up with one plan, finally, that she thought would work. Noticing that he had a great hearing giftedness since he was sight impaired, one day she hid the class mouse in the waste paper basket. And she said, oh, no, the class mouse is loose. Kids, what should we do? And everybody got excited. People started dancing on their chairs. Where's the class mouse? Where's the class mouse? Mrs. Benaducci settled everybody down and said, shh, shh. Stephen, Stephen Morris, you have a great gift of hearing. Where's the class mouse? Now think about this. Stephen Morris hadn't said a word for months. Finally, his first words were these. Shh, everybody be quiet. 
He listened, heard the scratching, and said, Mrs. Beneducci, the class mouse is in the waste paper basket. She leaned over and took it out by the tail and put it back in the cage, and everybody goes, And Stephen Morris sits there with a pride in his life on his face, and Mrs. Beneducci says to him, Stephen, (laughs) you are indeed a wonder. What a great hearing gift you have. You're, You're just a wonder. And thereafter, his classmates nicknamed him Little Stevie Wonder. Within six months after that, this 12-year-old produced his first gold album entitled Fingertips, Part Two. It was the first of over 100 that became gold records in our business. I would suggest to you that the entire history of American rhythm and blues and rock and roll was dramatically transformed because a fifth grade school teacher by the name of Mrs. Beneducci loved her kids in the name of Jesus. You you know, don't you, that she was a very committed Christian. She and Stevie Wonder walked with one another for years. Later, Detroit wanted to address the racial tensions that continued. They asked Stevie Wonder to come and do a big concert downtown. He said, I'll come on one condition, that you invite Mrs. Beneducci to come with me and we address the whole city together. And during that time period, they both spent hours lecturing Detroitans on learning how to love one another in the name of Jesus. Folks, there's racial strife all around us, but I'm telling you, the only hope, the only hope is the love of Jesus pouring through those of us who say we are followers of Jesus. Hatred never solves anything. Love only does. And the love of Jesus through the business Beneducci's of the world solves the problem. The question is, will you be in the workplace if you're a school teacher here today or whatever you do and say, this week I'm going to love because that person might just be the person who's going to change the world. Serve your work and serve others in your work. Another aspect of being faithful on the job. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about today's Davidism. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community 
who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you as well. Well, today's Davidism is about not letting ourselves become distracted. And in this social media culture, this is a tall order. And I believe you wrote this one specifically for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I probably wrote it for me and it's probably going to hit many others as well because it's a simple truth. A distracted soldier is a dead soldier. I think it was my wife and I, Marilyn, watching a television show when we first heard this some years ago, and we've never forgotten it. Mm -hmm. It was on one of those... Um, military TV shows where they were training soldiers and the sergeant yelled this out to somebody and said, stay focused. A distracted soldier is a dead soldier. Mm. And it is so true. We've got to learn how to focus our lives on Jesus and stay focused and not get off on all the tangents that this world is calling us to get on. And when we stay focused, we can accomplish so much more. But when we get distracted, we are in trouble. So we've got to realize that Satan wants to destroy us. That's his job description, to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. So he'll come to tempt us in many different ways to get us distracted off the main purpose of what God has called us to do. And we've just always got to live in a posture of being ready to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. Every single day of our lives, no, today might be the day. He could come back today. And if he does, I am ready to meet him. I'm not going to be distracted on the things of this world, the temptations of this world that can cause me to trip and fall and fail. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to stay focused on him. My mind is set on him. And when you do that, you're ready to fight anybody, Mm -hmm. anything. You can take on the wiles of the devil, the temptations of this world, and you'll win because, Mm -hmm. again, you're not distracted and you can stay focused on the things that are most important. That's really good. One of the things that I'm challenged by in this one right here is the call to intercession. You know, right. all of us can pray and we're we're commanded to pray. And I think some, sometimes I just let the anxieties and the things swirling in the air just take me down the social media path of, oh my goodness, what does this person think about this situation? And I get distracted from the main call, the command to pray. Right. And, and it, have you ever thought about how often the Bible says these two words in a command? Be alert. Mm. Be alert. That means that your mind is focused on the right things and you are ready, no matter what the Lord may call you to do, you are ready if he should return right now. Mm -hmm. You're just ready. And that's the whole idea of not being a distracted soldier. You're a dead soldier then. Mm -hmm. Being alert means you're always ready. You're always on the alert. You're always ready to respond to whatever the Lord may ask you to do. Wow, this is really good. Such powerful insights. Thank you so much, David. Well, listeners, please understand that Jesus is going to come back again one day and we're here on this earth to do his will but we also need to be alert to every single second being that possibility that he could return and when you are alert you are ready and you'll never be a distracted soldier because once again here it is a final time a distracted soldier is a dead soldier be alert for the Lord and his coming all of that he calls you to do and you will be serving him faithfully David thank you so much for joining us today it's great 
great being with you, Jen. And listeners, if you would like to receive daily a moment of hope in written form, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there to these written moments of hope. They'll arrive in your inbox every single morning at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours, a way to begin your day each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast, They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston. I hope you have a great weekend.